welcoming you to the Prairie Dac radio program. Rick Holm, our Prairie Dac, is in the studio, ready to answer your questions of a medical nature. Dr. Holm's specialty is internal medicine. He's worked with the Avira Medical Group Brookings and has served as a clinical professor at the University of South Dakota Sanford School of Medicine. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, Joan. Good to be here with you. Good to be here. <laughs> it could be anywhere, right? Good to you be know, here. You know, we spoke before the program, and you were saying that you hope to discuss problems related to the heart. Now, not Dear Abby problems, but yeah. me- <laughs> oh, right. medical problems related to well, the we'll heart. Well, we'll take Dear Abby problems. Oh, yeah, too. we could have. We, we, we answer most any question <laughs> here, don't we? When we list the main causes of death, where does heart disease fit? Do you know? Oh, uh, it, it is number one, no question about it, and the number one reason... It is number one is because uh, when people die and you don't know why they die in the end of their lives, what do you think the doctor puts down on the death certificate? Heart stopped. Oh, so that's the number one cause. Okay. It's it's probably an inappropriate so uh, maybe percentage it when you see it. I filled up uh, filled out enough death certificates to tell you that heart stopped works. <laughs> Heart, you know, if you put if you put advanced senescence, which means you're old, you're really old, <laughs> everything's quitting. I have no idea why you're dying. You're just dying because you're, you know, 105. They don't take it. The he- the state health the department state will, needs an answer. No, just give me one answer. I want to have one cause of death. You can have. Because, because, because behind it, but you need to have the primary cause of death. And the answer was heart stopped. Heart stopped. Oh, and no then they end up, you know, there. the Heart Association has, oh, we are the cause of 80% of people's deaths and you've got to donate to, to us. And the answer is um, no, not, you know, heart disease. Most people live to be 80 to 90 and they die from various causes. Advanced or the senescence. Right. Many things have are shutting down. Things, uh, they, they the body shut down. only lasts so long. Right. And so the long and the short of that is to say uh, that there are a lot of there is a lot of heart disease. There is a lot of heart disease. But it isn't as much as the t- statistics would have you believe. Okay. <coughs> well, I let you off with an interesting question then. I yes. thought it was just a simple answer. Heart, but I was wrong. It's a lot less than it used to be. Oh, well, uh, that's good. Uh, it used to be that 40-year-old men would, were dropping like flies, and they would, have, they would be doing sudden deaths. And uh, <coughs> that stopped. And the epidemiology of it all is not, uh, not really clear. We still have it happening, but it is not nearly as much as it used to be. Well, that's good to know. Well, I know that you want to talk about heart disease today, even if it may not be the number one cause of death, because it is a problem in this country, and people do suffer from different heart problems. We would like to address that. We are going to take our first break. We already had a question come in that had nothing to do with heart disease, so we'll try to take care of that when we come back, and we will be back right after these words. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. Joan Hogan here with Dr. Holm, and Dr. Holm is ready to answer any questions you might have. We said at the outset of the program we might discuss heart disease today, but of course we're happy to respond to any questions you might have. And we had a question come in just before the program began. A woman called in would like you to explain how we donate brain stem cells. 
This question came up because her grandmother, who was 107 years old, had dementia and Alzheimer's, donated brain cells to Harvard. She also thought it'd be a very good idea if her grandchildren would do the same thing. Hmm. So tell us about that. You know, uh, I have to say that I really don't know a lot about uh, what this is all about. I mean, for one, she has uh, dementia. Did they want to study Alzheimer's disease and dementia? Uh, or are they interested in the fact that she lived to be 104? 107. Uh, Can you believe it? That's uh, a But long was time. not demented until 102, you know, that type of thing. So whatever research they're doing, they were happy to receive her brain cells, right? right? And I'm not, uh, I'm not certain. Uh, in fact, it's more than I'm not certain. I don't know what su uh, s uh, studies they're doing about it. I, I think there are some groups that are looking at ad advanced age and uh, looking at the genetics of the people with advanced age and, and trying to determine why is it that they lived and all these other people died early. And, and my answer uh, on that is that uh, we really don't know. We, you know, and within families where there's early death from cancer, this or that, then there's somebody that, la that lasts to 103. Uh, and, uh, or someone, uh, you know, there's uh, early deaths, heart attack deaths in 40 and 50 year old uh, men in their family, and, and this woman lives, uh, all the women live to be 90. Why is that? I mean, what, what's the story? Is it a clotting deal and so on and so forth? So there's a lot of research that we could do and should do, but I don't know about that specific research at Harvard. Um, I would ask this question, uh, how do you get brain cells from a healthy person? And the answer is it's a biopsy. And I don't know about you, but I don't want a biopsy of my brain. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a biggie for me. You know, either. I don't know no. where you would go through, uh, except maybe drill a hole in the skull and then put a needle in it. Uh, you know, if you're on an emergency uh, basis with high pressure of the brain or you're having coma from one reason or another and you want to do, you know, put a needle in there, it's worth it because the risks of the person dying, you know, is so high. But if you're perfectly healthy, uh, I think most of us would be reluctant to put a needle into somebody's brain. I was familiar with one program, and it was not that familiar, but know of a program where a convent of Catholic nuns in Minnesota all agreed to donate their brains, their brains after yes. death. They right, waited right, right. till they died, but there was a huge research done on that. And yes, I, and I remember some of the results. Yeah, but that was a long time ago. Part of it huh? had to do with activity, and part of it had to do with uh, how much they ate. I would say this, uh, though, that... Uh, you know, genetic research is happening uh, and a lot is being learned. And I would also say that the stem cells uh, of the body of this 104-year-old person, you don't have to get the brain stem cells. The stem cells, meaning they are the pre precursor to all the cells of the body, including the brain. So if you can get the stem cells from somebody, and that's just from blood or from a bone marrow test, or actually a swab in the cheek, you can probably find the stem cells there too. So what I'm, uh, what I'm saying is there's, it's possible uh, that, um, that this person who wants to uh, help with research at Harvard, if Harvard is asking for cells from the swab of her cheek, I'd do it, definitely.
Okay. Well, I hope that's helpful, and it's very nice of her grandmother to have done that, and whatever research is going on at Harvard will benefit us all. Yeah. Having read your book, I recognize Oh, you've how read the book. I finished it. I thought, I have to finish it before, because you asked me about it two yeah. weeks ago, and I thought, oh, I just started reading it, but I, I was really fascinated by it, really yeah. enjoyed it, and... Um, now I lost track of what I was going to say. Something, oh, about, about uh, brain cells? Well, or in your, your belief, the importance of uh, the scientific method, and that ties to this, that we have to do research, and because we've done the scientific method research over the years, we've enhanced people's lives. Yes. I mean, uh, I, it's not to say that I, don't, uh, that I think it's the end all of everything, I, I think there's some things that we'll never have science to prove. You know, this human spirit or the sense of consciousness uh, or, uh, the, you know. Uh, well, you explain the exception in the book. You right. know, that there's some, some you can't. You just cannot yet, get to. The, uh, the advances are phenomenal because we did follow scientific and we research. Need, right. And you have to realize that science is always advancing. There's so many questions unanswered. You can answer them, and then uh, then you discover, oops, it, it was, we were wrong on this, or we, we thought this, and we, we changed our mind. There was just recent research out of Harvard, uh, and I can't remember what the exact conclusion was, but no one else could duplicate it, and it came down to it. He was falsifying his, his uh, data. People will lie. There are bad people out there, unfortunately, uh, and it makes... You know, it, and uh, many you of them question go, all science. Because ma- of many that, of them right? go to Washington, but now I'm not. <laughs> just, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, I oh thought, no, you're serious. I thought it was interesting what the president said at the 60, on 60 Minutes this Sunday night. He said, "This is the meanest, awfulest, toughest place that you'll ever live," and I think he's right. It's uh, the the people who want power gravitate to that space and and then when you have to survive in an area where people are cutthroat uh, then you end up being uh, having to be cutthroat to, just to survive for the for, for for one thing so uh, just a comment about the fact that there is it's tough in Washington the other point though what I what I am saying is is that there's some bad people out there that will lie and uh, the the science, uh, means to prove what is truth. Actually, if you look at uh, the definition of science, it is uh, efforts to try try to find the truth. Uh, and, and that's what science is. And that's why you have it. Have, you truth. have to have it duplicated. Everything needs to be duplicated to prove uh, that it's that it that's correct. Well, uh, the scientific method is important. It, it has advanced medicine. And speaking of advancements in medicine, there have been quite a few advancements in heart disease in the, over the past. Yes. Oh, just in your practice years. Just, what, have you practiced medicine now 40 years? Yes. Uh, and, well, I graduated from med school in 1975. From my residency in 78, I taught three years at Emory in Atlanta. Uh, and then in 1981, Joni and I moved to Brookings. Uh, so I've been uh, perking along for quite a while. Uh, I remember in like 82 or 81 and 82 where we first realized that that heart attack that, that kills a young man in his 40s and 50s uh, is a blood clot most of the time. And that if you inject, and the first studies were in the New England Journal, and I'd read the article that morning, 
and that evening somebody's having a sudden heart attack and I called uh, Lloyd Solberg who I had his telephone number or I found him or got him from some for some reason and he said I have just been back from the Mayo Clinic and we were injecting the the clot buster medicine directly into the arteries of the coronary arteries and I can do that I can do it I'm equipped I'm ready I said I'm sending him down and so he did it and the reverse the heart attack and the man lived nine bozade lived another 15 years until he died from cancer wow and Nine Bose was well loved in Brookings. I'm sure many people were very well, thankful you man. saved his life. Well, right. and of, and of course the uh, there wasn't a lot of trust uh, prior to uh, this uh, in the Bose's for medical uh, people, and and I remember it changed it. It changed that's it with good. the Bose's family, and that's a big family. That know. is. There's <laughs> watch out. You never say anything about the Bozades because there is one related to you sitting right next right to na- you. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, I, it is a good. I love family. the Bozades, yeah. and that's the truth. Yes, uh, good and family. I have uh, right. many connections with them, particularly after <laughs> Nime's situation. <laughs> I've just betrayed a trust, right. but I don't. I think uh, that's been well put out by dear friends of mine. Who talked about Nime in that way. Well, I mentioned uh, oh, a few years ago about our oldest son, not the one in Brookings, but our one living in New York, had just suddenly f- passed out and then came to and thought he was just overworked and he went to work. And his boss said, no, you're going to see a heart specialist. He said, no, no, I'm okay, I'm okay. You're going to see the top heart man and whatever. He, he insisted he went to see him. And it turned out our son had... I guess everyone's born with a little hole in their heart that closes up. Yeah. But I, some people's don't. Yeah. His did not close up. Yes. And so it just, a uh, blood clot went through it and knocked him out. Yeah. Patent ductus arteriosus. And had he not gone in, and many people have that and ignore it, and then a big clot kills him. So, I mean, I'll give so you... So he lucked out. He yes, really he did. did. And uh, uh, the long and the short of that patent ductus arteriosus story is, there's a hole between the left and the right, right atrium. There's two chambers above the big pumps, right? And, you know, the blood comes in the right side into the right atrium, and it goes down into the right ventricle, and the ventricle squeezes, and it goes out the pulmonary artery, and it fills the lungs, right? And, and oxygenates all the blood. And then the vein from the pulmonary system, okay, the pulmonary venous system collects the blood from the lungs and brings it into the left atrium, and the left atrium pushes it into the left ventricle, which is the pump that pumps the blood to all the body, right, with the exception of its own coronary arteries. And when the cor- the, all of the arteries fill and everybody gets oxygen except the heart, and then the, aort- and then the pressure gets high enough and the squeeze relaxes, and suddenly the aortic valve slams shut because the, the pressure starts to p- go backwards. And when the pressure starts coming backwards and the aortic valve slams shut, the arteries are just at the top of where the aortic valve is. And so then suddenly, all of that back pressure from the arteries comes and fills the coronary arteries just as the ventricles are relaxing. So that they get their oxygen, they get oxygen during as well. the relaxation phase of the heart, uh-huh. whereas all of the rest of the body gets its its blood during the squeeze of the heart. All that said, though, 
when the right side of the heart is doing the same thing, it squeezes, uh, it pushes through the lungs, the clots that come from everywhere, because clots are always happening, the lungs filter the clots. It's that final filter. You know the final filter on the gasoline uh, pump? You know, it's the final filter before the blood comes to the left side of the heart and then goes out to the arteries of the brain and the kidneys and the arteries of the arms and legs and everything. <clears throat> but they've been filtered. All those little clots that are coming from everywhere else. Uh, are filtered by the lungs. Are filtered by the lungs. Okay. And so the lungs do a lot of things, but one of them is uh, it also makes uh, heparin. Now, natural, you know, heparin is made in the lungs to dissolve the clots that it's filtering. Think about that. We haven't thought about that. But what a patent ductus arteriosus is, what your son had, was a hole that was between the right atrium and the left atrium. And so when the pressure gets low enough on the left side, the blood flows across the atrium. It hasn't been filtered by the lung, and it goes to the left atrium, left ventricle, brain, Boom. little stroke. And Amazing. so patent ductus arteriosus uh, are those uh, little things that can cause strokes because it allows blood flow from the right atrium to the left atrium unfiltered unfiltered and we needed to be filtered to clear out those clots you know and those that that ductus arteriosus which is patent while we were babies is there so that when the the, the placental blood comes into the baby it doesn't need to go through lungs it just flows through the ductus and into the left ventricle and is pumped out to the body <coughs> It's something that bypasses the lung system until you're born. And the moment of birth, the baby gets slapped by the doctor or by the midwife or the mother or whoever delivers that baby. The baby goes, <gasps> fills the lungs. <laughs> the <laughs> diaphragm does this one thing, fills the lungs. The lungs suddenly open, and then the body decides to close that ductus arteriosus. <clears throat> Isn't that an amazing thing? You know, most of you just got to listen to them. I got to watch them. I mean, yeah, <laughs> there were a lot going. of hand movements that went with this, <laughs> and it really helped us to understand what was happening. It comes in, comes out. His arms were waving, but it's fascinating. It well, the human body is fascinating. It just is. And I have to make the, uh, one correction before I do I said patent ductus arteriosus. It, the ductus arteriosus is an artery line between the aorta and the pulmonary arteries. The atrial septal defect uh, is the hole in your son's heart. So I mislabeled it during my description, but everything else was correct. Okay. Patent ductus and the atrial septal uh, holes are two openings that occur, that close off during that first breath, normally. Normally. The kid was never that normal, though. So he was never that normal. No, no, he never was that normal. <laughs> Bob, you had something you wanted to throw in there. Learn something every day. So I don't understand this doctor home. Okay, a mother's pregnant, a woman's pregnant, carrying yeah. a baby. Yeah. She, her, the placenta carries blood from the mother to the baby. Yes. The baby's heart beats. Right. So the baby's heart, is it circulating his own blood through his body, or yes. is it the mother's blood? Well, well. Uh, that's a good question. <clears throat> 
the baby m- both. both. Both, I would guess. Because the baby makes his, her own blood, but also is getting the mother's blood that has the mother's the oxygen. Has mother's oxygen, has mother's food. I mean, takes away the the takes away the the poisons of the baby as well. I mean, in in fact, the baby is basically just part of the mother's circulation. Isn't that amazing? We are truly amazing creations, aren't oh. we? It just boggles my oh, mind. I mean, I, how can you, you know? And you know, it goes all the way down through the animal chains too. All this happens in the same miraculous way in animals, uh, you know, as they are born. And, uh, you know, this miracle of life. It is a miracle. It is a miracle. There's no two ways What were you going to say, Bob? RH factor. So it, does that where the problem comes in then when the mother's blood interacts with the baby's blood because yep. they're not compatible? Correct. Wow. See? It's amazing. Well, I'm going to go home now. I don't, don't need to learn anymore. I've no, learned enough. Learned enough I'm going to go all I can for one day. If, right, if, we're going to take if, a break, if, but if, I promise you if, we will come back. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. Happy to have you listening. We just had a wonderful treatise well, on the heart well, and I, how our blood functions and how our body functions. Fascinating. It is fascinating. And if you look at congenital heart disease, it's just a mess up of how that was supposed to do the flip or It just amazes to me how the baby, the baby's heart, for the vast, vast majority of time, it works. It works every time. I mean, it works. Yeah. Just amazing. Yes, tiny little uh, deal, and they can see when the baby's heart starts beating the first time. You know, just the whole, the whole story of who, why is that baby doing this in that mama's uterus, and how can that happen? And it all, I mean, the bringing together of two p- particular genetic histories and, and making a new one within that womb, you know. Uh, so huh? we can go on and on. We could, we could. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, I would say this though, and uh, Bob said it in, in the break. Uh, the more you learn about the, the body, and the complexity of the system and how it works and and so on and so forth. I, I cannot, uh, uh, I can't think that there isn't design to it. And I'm a Darwinian. I mean, to, to the base, but. Um, I am also a believer in in intelligent design. I just cannot not feel that way. Be, the more I've studied, the more I'm amazed at the beauty of the engineer. And, uh, and that amazement shows through in your book. And I, I have to throw in the book because the book that Dr. Holm just finished is called Life's Final Season, A Guide for Aging and Dying with Grace. It's also a guide for living with grace. Oh, I thank think. you. Truly living with grace. Dr. Holm is going to be at the Brookings Health System on October 25th in the afternoon signing books. Right, a week the, from tomorrow afternoon from 3 to 5. 3 to 5, okay. And now at, tomorrow, their, at their gift shop. Their gift know. shop. You know, I went over last week because I thought I was going to tell people about this, but I hadn't been to the gift shop. Oh, my goodness. They it's did a great job. Beautiful. And I love the front of the building. I I toured the back or whatever. is. I don't know. Is the back, the front, the front, the back at this yeah. point? But <laughs> I toured when it was first done before they admitted patients. Fantastic. But I had not toured what had been the front and came in that way. It's a beautiful entry to the hospital. Beautiful now. Just entry, gorgeous. But that gift store is something else. Check it out. You might find some Christmas gifts or holiday gifts before... Uh, 
before the holiday is really with us. Yes. It's October 25th and 26th. Tomorrow night you will not have a television show because I believe we have high school football right. or something. Right, on. right. So you won't be on tomorrow night. But, but... But we'll be making a show tomorrow night. Well, you do. And it People will be don't realize you need those students on campus yes, to you do, do these and, shows. And when they're there, you when, take advantage yes, of so it. So if they're going to be gone over Christmas break, you tape a few shows now so yes. you can run them during that time. Because right. the kids aren't there. They run the uh, cameras. The, they just do a lot of work. Well, and we've, we've made four shows when we were in Rapid City. That was interesting. And they were great shows. I was really pleased. And so uh, those will be coming up through Christmas. The show I'm going to make tomorrow night was, is all about drugs. It's actually Chapter 2 in the book. And the, uh, if you want to read, if you want to know what we're going to talk about tomorrow night. Read Chapter 2. Read Chapter 2. <laughs> okay. And, uh, I uh, know a lot of your friends already have the books, and a lot of the people listening have them. They are available in town. You have no problem getting them. Um, we're going to have them at... Uh, the, the, art the art and museum, and we're going to have them at the hospital, and we're going to have them at Rich's uh, book used bookstore downtown, okay. and uh, you know as many places as you know, and the the uh, Ag Heritage Museum. I I've, I'd like to uh, uh, encourage people to think about it as a nice Christmas gift. The with taxes, the the hardcover is thirty dollars, and with taxes, the paperback is seventeen. So either one is a great price for a gift. And really, I was afraid you were going to ask me what was my favorite chapter because you asked me that what two weeks ago. What is your favorite chapter? And I thought I really had to almost come to the end, like chapter 10, 11, and 12. I love 10 because it told me. A little uh, bit about everything. Yes, you know, from head to toe, I think is what you call yeah. 10. And it was really helpful. And that's why I'm saying it's not just a guide for aging and dying. It's a guide for living because it's telling you how to live well and the things that can happen to you. And 11 and 12 pretty well summarize all dying. your thoughts on this. And what is so important is you keep bringing through the importance of exercise. It's not in the first chapter. It's not in the second oh, but chapter. We did it's talk not, a, it's we in talked, every chapter. And we talked about it today, didn't we? <laughs> yes, we did. It is so important. Now, someone just called in and said, could you name the book? I'm going to name it again. Okay. Okay, the name of the book is, it's by Dr. Richard P. Holm, Life's Final Season, hashtag, a Guide for Aging and Dying with Grace. Yeah, a happy little name. <laughs> yes, yes. But I Life's said it should be a guide for aging and living with grace yeah. because it does give really good advice on how to uh, face all of life's problems. And especially the most important one is, for God's sake, get over it. We will all die. Yeah, get over it. <laughs> people, get over your fear of dying. Yeah. And you do a very good job throughout the whole Thank book. You. Helping people get over whatever fears they have about dying. You know, the book was initially to be a caregiver's guide. You know, and it was going, I, I really messed with the caregiver's guide to aging and, and mm -hmm. dying with grace. But it isn't just for caregivers. It's for anybody who's, who's actually going through it. Did you catch the caregiver feel to it? I mean, did you sense that it was... There was yes, it was helpful. And I'm thinking I have a sister who is a caregiver right now this, for the second time. Her Oof. first husband died when he was 60. She was wonderful to him for two years when he was going through this. She remarried five years later, and her husband now is facing dementia. And she is one remarkable woman, taking care of both men. She's done a great job, but I, this book is being sent to her because oh. <laughs> I think it will just enhance what she's done and, and, and reinforce 
what she needs to do to take care of herself. It's yeah. important. Well, and that's kind of what it says. Plus, it says, don't do it if it if it if you're if. If, it's if you not can't be a you. caregiver, don't. Uh-huh. You know, find more help. Yeah, and that's really important too. Uh, we can't find more time, Rick. The clock we're, has run out. We're on running us, out of time. But we do hope you've enjoyed this program, and we'll listen again for Prairie Doc, brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Be sure to follow the Prairie Doc on Facebook and YouTube for free and easy access to the entire Prairie Doc library. As always, you can hear and see more from Doctor Home online at prairiedoc.org. Thanks, Rick. It's good doing the show with you, and uh, I won't be here next week. Okay. I'll be here the week after that. We'll have Laura or, or Laura Johnny. will be here right, All right. with you. So I look forward to that, and I, I have to... And did you like the poem in the end? I did. And so if I, that's the hardest part for me, and thank you all, uh, and stay healthy out there, people. Thank you, Joan. Thank you, Bob.